A journey about psychedelics. What is all the talk about psychedelics? Let us take a journey into learning more with our guest, Mark Riscala. We talk about why they're moving more into the discussion surrounding treatment of mental health and substance use. He helps answer some of the questions we have about psychedelics going forward, as this is the start of many future conversations. Mark, who was born in Lebanon, arrived in the United States at the age of four after his parents decided to leave their country due to the ongoing civil war. When they arrived in Los Angeles, his parents secured employment at a relative's bakery, and Mark continued his education. No longer worried about hiding from mortar fire, Mark excelled in school and became the first person in his family to graduate from college. With his degree in psychology, Mark quickly got to work, jumping in headfirst, securing at a treatment facility treating those with schizophrenia. It was in this position that Mark had the opportunity to witness the complexities of mental illness and the challenges presented in treating those with severe and persistent mental illness as well as substance use. Mark was particularly intrigued with the medications and primary treatment methods which were utilized in this setting. Diving deeper into pharmacology, Mark began researching alternatives to standard psychotropic medications and found himself learning more and more about the powers of psychedelics to treat mental illness and substance use. With this knowledge, Mark decided it was time for him to offer unique and successful treatment techniques and modalities to his community. This is when he launched Tulua Health. A decade after launching his career, Mark is a proud husband and father of three beautiful girls. He is passionate about spreading education on alternative treatment methods for those struggling with mental illness and substance use disorders. He also hopes to inspire those in recovery to follow their dreams and to encourage them to set the bar high for themselves. This is Talking Addiction and Recovery, the podcast talking, you guessed it, all about addiction and recovery. Join your host, licensed professional counselor Andrew J. Schreier, as he and his guests break down recovery topics with raw honesty, delving into niche conversations around the topics of substance abuse, mental health, and gambling. We intend to meet individuals where they are on their own personal journey of recovery with dignity, respect, and compassion. We'll do more than talk addiction and recovery. We'll explore it. We're glad you've joined us. Here with today's episode, your host, Andrew Schreier. Welcome, Mark, to Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here and uh, talk to your listeners. Yeah, this is a amazing topic. When I when I heard about you coming on and and talking about you know psychedelics along with you know mental health and other things, I was like, this is perfect because I am getting asked more about what do I think about psychedelics more and more from clients, clinicians. Um, you know, a, a variety of people. So let, let's talk a little bit about what you bring with that discussion. Yeah. So, you know, mental health is uh, really evolving these days and it's taken time to kind of get there. Um, you know, in the past, the way we kind of deal or dealt with or still continue to deal with mental health is, you know, individual therapy, group therapy and medications like SSRIs and things like that. So typically when you have um, someone with a mental illness or a substance abuse issue, that's kind of the modes that we take, right? So we kind of attack, hey, let's do group therapy. Hey, let's do individual therapy. Let's get down to the core of the ideas. 
And what I found in, in my 10 years in mental health is we're not doing good enough, right? We, we're saving and helping a small group of people, but there are people who are treatment resistant and we define treatment resistant as people who've done one or two stays and have gotten really nothing out of it. They've continued to struggle with their mental health. They've continued to struggle with their substance abuse issues. And so for those people, honestly, my heart was kind of broken. It's breaking because I want to be the person who helps, but we just don't have enough tools. And psychedelics are kind of the beginning of these alternative tools that are going to help us do that. Yeah. And there's two things that that come to mind with that one in my experience, when you've seen people who are like treatment resistant or they it hasn't been working, people tend to focus on that there must be something with that person for why the method of treatment yeah. isn't working versus looking at why the method of treatment may not be effective for that person. Like kind of quick to blame sure. the person because this is a great thing. Group therapy sure. is great. CBT is great. How come it's not working and How the direction. Sure. Yeah. It, it kind of gets pointed to the person that it's the person not working hard enough or they don't want it enough. I think it's very stigmatizing sure. with like mental health and substance use. Yeah. So uh, a good question that I have with that is you mentioned we're advancing a little bit and a good question is why is psychedelics now getting more back into the spotlight when it was so put in the dark for many years, what yeah. is it about going on right now that people are now paying more attention to it and talking about it? Yeah. So I, I think if we go back to kind of initially what happened and why it disappeared in the first place, because there was a ton of studies in the 40s and 50s for people with terminal illness using psychedelics to find some peace of mind as they're dying, for people with you know, mental health issues or traumas. There were studies with LSD and, and, and MDMA and all that stuff. But what ended up happening back then was th that the government started seeing these things show up at parties. People were using these drugs as party drugs. And as the cops would bust things up and find more of these drugs, they decided, oh my God, this is getting out of hand. We need to lock this down. And they basically made them very, you know, they, they classified them as like this category one where it's like, very bad. You found a little bit on you. You're going straight to jail for a long time. And they destroyed that whole sector. So all of a sudden, the research kind of faded away. I think most of the research that was done after that was more government based military stuff. But like for the private sector, for people, it just stopped completely. And, and then, you know, as we know, it's illegal, very legal across the United States. So nobody could even administer it in a setting that wasn't like spiritual, religious. You know, they had some exemptions. Um, today, I really think the work that MAPS is doing with Rick Doblin, I think he, you know, he was on the Rogan podcast. He's been doing, he's been kind of the, the one pushing it forward aggressively for the last 10 years plus. And I really think that it's the research, right? So right now, the MAPS has an MDMA, they're, they're like, I think they're stage three of the clinical trials with the FDA, which is huge. So I think what ha happened was people started doing these private studies and, and the research was so good that the FDA couldn't deny it. They couldn't say, oh, oh, MD, no, MDMA doesn't do anything. You can't use this for therapy. I mean, in, in one of their studies, they, they were seeing, I think, 60 to 65% uh, uh, rate of change in people who were treatment resistant, like they recovered. 
they didn't have to go to treatment anymore. They could kind of go back and live a life normally. Whereas in, in my world, anything from seven to 15% is incredible. Yeah. Right? We've done a great job. So to see it up above 50 really kind of, I think, made the FDA go, well, we can't deny this anymore. And then you see kind of with, with cannabis becoming, you know, decriminalized in a lot of places, some of these other ones started to follow up because people are seeing, you know what, there's medicinal use for these things, right? Cannabis has medicinal use in the medical world. And so I think that opened the world and softened people. And I also believe the generation that was very against drugs is now too old to care anymore. They, and the next generation coming up is, is all of us. And we're open to the idea of let's use something that works, right? Instead of just judging it, if it works, let's utilize it, you know? And, and I think that the pharmaceutical companies also had a big say in making sure that their prescription medication was the primary and that these alternatives that you could kind of get for way cheaper were pushed in the back burner. And I think we're going to see that continue for a little while, even though we get approval, even though we move to legalization, I think that until the pharmaceutical company can get their hands on it, we won't see it adopted in mass for a while. Do you, th one thing I was wondering with something like we've seen with like CBD, for example, sure. and all of a sudden a lot of it pops up everywhere, stores all over, you find it and yeah. everything like it, it yeah. was kind of like a, this takes care of anything and everything. And there's like a big, like sure. a big gold rush with that. Do you see yeah. psychedelics is trying to do this differently where they're trying to go through like the right channels to get like the research behind it, the studies behind it, the support behind yeah. it to really like make itself well, yeah, I, like that way versus what we've seen with like some other methods people have tried doing. Sure. I think that, I think that because we're, we're using CBD is such a mild substance um you you kind of you kind of could push you could you could push that through right but i think with psychedelics we're talking about pretty aggressive substances for the most part and the effect on the body it, it's not it's not you know there's a group of people that that want to talk about you know utilizing these things all the time running out into the woods and doing psychedelics and they're so excited to do that but i mean in my point i argue that i, I think it's dangerous to do that i think just like everything else we need to have an idea and a goal in what we're doing, right? So when we're doing these MDMA sessions, they're doing three therapy sessions that are MDMA based. And those are long sessions. Those are usually anywhere from 48 hour sessions. And they're doing three of those across three months. So we're not gonna bombard you with a ton of drugs. So I, I don't think that there's gonna be a huge gold rush, but I guarantee you there are gonna be a ton of centers that are gonna market this and try to um, use it for a way to draw clients into their centers so they can make money and um, I think a lot of people will be a little afraid, whereas CBD doesn't have as much side effect. With some of these things, if you don't use them right, you could send somebody into a spiral. You know, I, I think we saw that with uh, one of the largest psilocybin studies that was done. You know, they did a, a one milligram dose, a 10 milligram dose, and a 25 milligram dose, which, you know, an eighth of a mushroom that you would use to get high is a 35 milligram dose. So it's well below that dosage. And they found that in the higher dosage groups, a small percentage became acutely suicidal. So it's not something that is like, you know, hey, let's let's get together this weekend and make this work. But, you know, we really need to have an idea and a goal 
just like I, I'd say anyone who's trying, who wants to try psychedelics should go in with a purpose. You should never go in like, hey, let's see where this goes. You should have some questions you want answers to, some things that you're trying to explore. And we want to do the same thing with therapy. We want to have a couple of sessions to prepare you. And then the MDMA session or the psilocybin session to work through that trauma. And then some sessions to kind of decompress that one session and then repeat and repeat. So I, I think that will slow down the, the gold rush effect that marijuana had for sure. I think you're talking like really like the informed consent and like what this is, what we're going over, what we're doing, yeah. the purpose, like yeah, really yeah. identifying like treatment plans and goals versus just buying a product yeah. or like, yes, exactly. Like, so that, that sounds like that's where it's trying to be now. Yeah. That, that, that really brings up a good question for consumers when if they do hear about these types of services being available and these things that that could benefit them what is good for them to ask or what is good for them to consider prior to going in because psychedelics is an area that i think a lot of people have quite a bit of questions on so how do we help them to get some more clarity and, and yeah I think in its current state, you have access to a couple of, there are a couple of programs that are outside the country, outside the U.S., and some shaman programs that are really good. I mean, look, the, the way that the shamans do it and the respect they have for the substance and for the, for the patient, I think in that setting, you could have a good experience. I think once we transition to a clinical setting, I think the questions you really want to ask is, one, what is the program going to look like? And that's important because right now, to be honest with you, Nobody knows. Nobody really has an idea. We're going to trial and error for a while before we kind of go, hey, you know what? We found that with this dosage or this much time or this much therapy, we had a better situation. So the early days, I, I recommend that, that people kind of explore the team first. Who is the team that's going to be administering the therapy and how informed are they on those? Like, so, so for example, my clinical director is like, he is... Um, he loves psychedelics, man. I, I, he knows every chemical, every function in the brain, everything, right? So if I'm going to do psychedelics, that's who I go to because this person has respect for the drug, has an understanding of what it does. And he himself is, where does this sound? Because not all doctors administer the drugs that they utilize. But in this case, ironically, a lot of the people who are going to be administering them are people who are going to have had experiences with psychedelics. And I think that's important. I think if you're being administered by a doctor in his office and he's just setting you up with, for example, ketamine, like it's done today in LA, uh, you go in an office, they put you on a couch, they give you a drip and they leave you alone. Well, I mean, what does that do, right? But when I talk to my clinical director and he's done the psychedelic therapy sessions, he's been through the MAPS program, he's had therapy while he was on psychedelics himself, he can understand how it works it's going to be much more powerful for the person getting it. And you're going to feel a lot more safe in that person's hands because they're not just someone who's looking at this as a, a pharmaceutical drug that's going to help you. They're someone who wholeheartedly believe in the process that's going to help you over the next three months. And you brought up a really good uh, point I want to follow up with is respect the drug because yeah. that concept isn't very, isn't often with a lot of, substances right you know when we talk about some of the substances out there so i think that's what makes 
psychedelics in, in some way unique in and of its own is a view of like the substance. And there's been a lot of like scare tactics with it over the years yep. and, yeah. and all that type of stuff. But, you know, part of it is looking at it for, for what it is and yeah. the different properties and benefits of it. How do you overcome some of the stigmas that occur yeah. about like the harms or, or the bad things about psychedelics? Sure. You know, there in this field, the stigma is, is, is crazy on everything, right? So even forget about psychedelics for a second. I can tell I have addicts and I have mental health patients in the same building. And I tell the addict that your issue is a side effect. Your main issue is a mental health issue. And they go, whoa, whoa, I'm not crazy. I'm just a drug addict. I don't have mental health issues. And the men mental health person will tell you, I don't have any issues with substance or anything else. No, that's totally different. I mean, even people who are suffering with the problem have a stigma against each other. So it's like the world is, is still developing to understand that like, yeah, a lot of our problems are stemming from a mental health issue. And with, with psychedelics, the first thing I'm told is when they say, well, you know, you run a substance program, how are you going to administer psychedelics to a drug addict? And I'm just like, well, what, what's the difference here, right? So I understand that the drug addict can be more addictive than someone else. But, you know, in Europe right now, they're using um, ayahuasca to, to, to help people with heroin issues. And they're having over 50% success. I mean, I'm lucky to get 5% with a heroin addict today. And if it's an alcoholic, forget it. So I think the, the, the data itself is going to change and shock everybody enough that, you know, initially we'll have some kickback and stigma. But I guarantee you five years from now, this will be very regular. Just like uh, Suboxone was used for opiate addicts. When Suboxone first came out, all addicts were like, if you're using Suboxone, you're not sober. There was a huge stigma. Treatment centers were saying, hey, we don't want to take anybody on Suboxone. I was one of the first treatment centers to allow Suboxone in my building. And they labeled me a flop in the community. Well, that's, a, that's where you go to flop. You go to use drugs there, right? I mean, so, you, you know, for me, I just, I ignore what everyone's saying and my company and what we're trying to do is trying to be on the cutting edge of helping people, right? Like what, whatever we can, whatever tools we can add to our belt, our utility belt to help people, we'll do it. And we don't give a crap what anyone cares or what anyone thinks. I mean, you could talk all you want, but when we're pumping out 50% success rates from our centers, there's not much left to say after that. Yeah, which I always point to that when I talk about stigmas towards like medications and that, whether that be for like substance use, mental health and everything, you know, it's often that the stigma exists because of the the person that the medication is being used for, which is different than, yeah. than other areas where I was having this conversation with someone else the other day where when someone has a headache and they take Tylenol, you know, no one really has a lot of stigma like yeah. we, we, are, we are compassionate for the person who has a headache and sure. wants 100%. wants Advil to relieve that when yeah. someone else has a mental health symptom or someone else is dealing with substance use, then it becomes like, well, they're, they don't want it hard enough or they're right. the cause of it. And then it, right. it, I see like then the effect of, well, now we view the medication differently because of the person yeah. and you know, psychedelics, I, I wonder too, if when you say psychedelics, there's, there's quite a bit of 
things that can fall into that, that people just don't know yeah. much about it. So yeah. my, my worry too, is that people will kind of like put all psychedelics into like this, this yeah. one thing without realizing yeah. the differences between them. Sure. Because we don't yeah. have that necessarily as much with other things. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I think some of them won't be used for therapy, right? There's, there's an array of psychedelics that are out there that probably won't ever really make it to a clinical setting. I think the one that has the most promise is MDMA because it's a feel-good drug, right? So you're not going to have too many adverse effects when you use MDMA. Most people are going to feel really good. That's why it's such a great party drug because you always, no matter how you're feeling, when you come in, when you take it, you feel great. Uh, when, you, when you look at some of the more, the other, the other ones like you know, Ibogaine, for example, they're more risky. Ibogaine is a little bit more risky. You don't know how it's going to interact in somebody's body. Now, I know people who've taken Ibogaine and they told me that when they were done after a week, they felt like their brain was completely rewired. The way they looked at the world, the way they looked at their issues changed completely. So a physical rewiring of their brain, which is incredible. Um, so, the, so I think initially you're going to see a lot of it, like LSD, for example. They used to use that in studies back in the day all the time. Um, do I think that that's going to be one that's used regularly? Probably not. Probably not. Um, is it useful? Sure. But there are a lot of issues with LSD. You could give somebody, some people are resistant. You could give them as much dose you want and, and nothing will happen. It won't happen until you've done 20 sessions maybe, and then it'll start working. So we, we need to kind of isolate and pick which ones we're going to be using. And to be honest with you, MDMA and psilocybin are the two that are currently in FDA studies, right? They're, they're currently with the FDA to get approval to be used. They're going to be the most popular ones. Um, will ayahuasca and those things make its way around? I kind of hope so. Ayahuasca is a pretty powerful drug and has helped a lot of people. And it works really well with heroin addicts. Um, but, but I think initially what you see in the next three to five years is psilocybin and MDMA, which are much more safe, much more mild drugs that people can tolerate. And then, yeah, everything else will kind of be left out for a little bit. And I hope that people don't, oh, we talk about psychedelics, they're all equal because they're not. You know, DMT is completely different than psilocybin, which is different than MDMA. So I hope that as we get more knowledge as a group of people and we share that knowledge, people will feel safer about it. And I've seen more of that with like, there's more conferences available yeah. about the topic. Yes. I've seen more trainings available on the topic. Yeah. I read How to Change Your Mind, which I think was a book that really caught some people's attention on mm -hmm. um, so there are more people talking about it educating and yeah. i've seen i've seen it about mental health i've seen it in relation to trauma i think a big question i imagine some people are wondering is like how do they work you know like like what yeah. by doing this how does it help me and yeah of course that's got to depend on the, the different treatment modality, right? Like the different substance and, and whatnot. But how would yeah. you, how would you explain that to someone who is like, well, how does it work? Like, what would it do to help? Sure. Me? Sure. Yeah. I, I think there's a couple of different things, right? So when you look at psilocybin, I think psilocybin is going to be really great with working with depression um, and suicidal stuff. I think when you look at how uh, a micro dose of mushrooms feels like, a buddy of mine who loves mushrooms, he, 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 when he's having a bad day, he'll take a small amount, enough to, he says, when you walk outside, you feel like the sun is giving you a hug, 
So there's the way it's acting on the brain is reducing some of those, those, those fear areas that you have. And it's giving you a little bit of the euphoria, not enough that you're high or feel high, but enough that you appreciate the world more. For example, when you're on even a small dose and you look at a tree, you begin to really appreciate the tree, right? This idea of having more gratitude. And you feel that that tree cares about you just as you care about it over time. That feeling, that, that slight feeling of up takes away the feeling of depression and changes the way you think about everything, right? So with psilocybin, you get, you get that euphoric feeling. Right now, do we understand side effects? I mean, not, not long-term, right? So you could tell me, hey, I'm depressed. And I say, great, let's get you on Abilify. I know what that's doing in your body and, and messing with your SSRIs and all that stuff. I know that that's a short-term so- solution for a problem. Whereas right now with, with psilocybin, it's not messing with those chemicals that way. So I believe it's going to be much safer for long-term. But the feeling you're going to get with psilocybin, especially on a low dose, is a, a slight feeling of euphoria. Hey, you know what? Things are good. Yeah, the world is beautiful. I can see the world differently. It makes you feel awake. Whereas when you're depressed, you have that dull feeling all the time. And part of that is, you know, I don't feel good about this. This sucks. That sucks. Psilocybin will change that. Um, you know, MDMA, the way it's going to help is a little bit more unique, right? So what we're going to be using it for is, let's say you had a traumatic experience in childhood. I mean, most mental health issues stems from, from some kind of traumatic experience in our lives. And I'd say 95% of the patients I deal with have had pretty severe trauma early in their childhood, right? So when I say to you, hey, I'm your therapist, nice to meet you. I don't, I don't ask you on session one, well, tell me about the time that you were molested when you were five because you're not gonna talk about that, right? It's gonna take you time to figure out, one, do I trust this person? Do I feel safe with this person? And how many words can I get out about my trauma, right? Whereas with MDMA, you're in one room and your trauma is in the room next door. And there's a glass wall between you and the trauma and you're looking in at it, but you're not experiencing it. You're seeing it from a different perspective completely, a complete different understanding. And so that, will help you talk through the trauma because it's not you reliving it, right? If I told you, hey, I was molested when I was five, now my brain is going back to the scene, going back to the feelings, going back to, and so now if I'm an addict or if I'm supplementing to, to get this out, guess what? I'm running out of that therapy office. I'm getting a bottle. I'm finding a needle because I just relived that molestation again. Whereas with the MDMA, it's a disconnected feeling and you can observe it from a different perspective. And that helps you heal the wounds that it made in the first place. Yeah, that's an that's why I like the idea with with psychedelics is not it sounds like there's specific things that that it, it can do and help with. Yeah. With what yeah. patients are doing and experiencing that there isn't like a for, for most, from what I heard from, from people, it's not like this, just yeah. flat out, give it to everyone or, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you know, everyone, everyone needs to have it. So, and it's, sure. it's interesting because I, when you're explaining some of those things, I was just kind of going through my head, you know, patients and clients I've had over the years in my time and like how those are things that they could have needed or benefited or, or wanted. Yeah. And yeah. There was, I was really interested in when I read the book, how to change your, your mind, 
that it was talking about psychedelics like unlocking like the default mode that our sure. that our brain can get in which has like an impact on like mental health substance use yeah. and, and i found that really really intriguing and i was kind of wondering like why we've been talking about the mind and the body yeah. and yeah being more aware of like how that all works and i heard about that when reading about psychedelics but that's not something i heard as often in other areas when we talk about the brain but i read about it with psychedelics and i was like this is pretty fascinating right that yeah, it like yeah. helps build networks and stuff and open things up yeah I, I think you're right and you said something really interesting right you said default uh, I, I find that human beings are struggling right i think as a, as a whole we are really living pretty unhappy existences right because we're kind of being shoved into a box right i mean you you're born you go to school then you work you spend a little bit of time with the people you love because most of the time you're working you try to make as much money as you can because you believe that's what you need and then one day the doctor's telling tells you you're dying right so in between that you try to cram some fun in yeah but it, inevitably we have some negative stuff that seeps in we have some fear that seeps in and those things start to build up and then you add some traumas and everybody struggles with trauma some is very severe and some some is minor but there's still trauma experiences in our lives and so when you kind of put all those together you realize that we're living like zombies right we're living in a locked box in our mind and the psychedelics kind of helps open that perspective right it's like, you know, it's funny, but you can get the same feeling if you've ever spent some time in Yosemite National Park, actually walked around there, you'll get a similar feeling. There's something about that as a human being connecting with where we really belong in nature and seeing its beauty kind of unlocks different parts of our brains, right? The problem is that people don't have the time, the ability to kind of go and explore those things that will help unlock their brain. I believe that a monk who spends 20 years in meditation is not bound by any of the struggles we have today because he's viewing the world differently. The psychedelics will be a shortcut for people to get there, to do it and see, okay, wow, this has been eye-opening. But I would say that if you spend once, once or twice a year getting back into nature, go see a tree that's 300 foot tall. It'll blow your mind. Your mind, your mind will open up and you won't feel the way you do. But if all you do is run all day long and all we're really running to eventually is our death anyway, then it's, it's no surprise that we're, we're seeing the increase in mental health issues today. We're seeing an increase in suicide, an increase in divorce, an increase in, because we are doing things that are going against our grain and, and a lot of people aren't stopping to think. And like you said, the psychedelics are gonna help people stop and think for a moment about what's real and what isn't and and re recognizing that you know your job while you might enjoy it while it might be fun is is not what's real right and you enjoying your life without the need of a bunch of material things all the time is much more valuable that's why you find most people who are love in love with psychedelics can live out of a van and they're and they're most of the time they're pretty happy people right because they understand that the world is much larger than it is today and when you have a psychedelic trip you start to see the universe in all of its expansiveness and you just get, it blows you away and you realize, oh, okay, so it doesn't matter so much if 
I didn't get that raise, or it doesn't matter so much if this happened, I can work through that because look at the infinity around me. And you can see that when you're on the drug, but it's sad that we need, we need it to do it because we lock ourselves into a little box in our brain. And one thing that I remember looking at with some of the studies, at least earlier studies or studies that were going on when there was minimal was allowing it for people who were at that death and dying stage. Like yeah. people who were gained to and it to me, I kind of look at that and I go, Oh, I guess that was nice of them to let them use it because yeah. they looked at them as dying and yeah. We're, yeah. But yeah. but what you were just talking about and sharing was that this is something that we should be these experiences and and whatnot are things we should be looking at doing before we get to that point like we don't need to wait for all these years of going through that that trappedness and being stuck yeah then suddenly allow ourselves to have that in like our final stages it's kind of it's kind of backwards it is i don't know how we got here i'm gonna be honest with you it's 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 a very disorienting thing to be a human and and somehow over all the all the years we we kind of got into a smaller box, into a smaller box, into a smaller box. And, you know, early on in my career, I remember thinking I went to work. I I just got married. I I was 25. I was so happy to be married. I'm so happy to spend time with my wife. And then I quickly realized that, no, actually, you're going to spend 12 hours away from your wife. And then a couple hours before bed, and then you're going to sleep, and then you're going to go straight to work. So really, you're going to I'm going to see my wife that I love to death for, for about three hours a day. And I'm thinking to myself, I looked at my wife and I said, if I do this the rest of my life, I might as well just go jump off of a building now. And and she laughed because she thought, okay, you know, this is just what people do, Mark. You just got to get used to that. And I remember saying, no, that's not going to be me. I'm going to do something different. And and I did. Right now I own my own business and that business is helping other people. And that not only do I help other people, but that also gives me time to spend, you know, if I want to chase my youngest, Sophia, she's four years old. I spend sometimes the first hour of my day just chasing around the kitchen, literally. And she's laughing and screaming and I'm chasing her. Man, those are the moments that when I look back on my life at the end, I'm going to say, yeah, I I lived a good life, right? Not because I had a big house or a nice car, but because I had the time to spend with the people that I love. And and love is an important thing. And to bring it back to MDMA, one of the feelings you feel on MDMA is love. And a lot of our clients, man, they, they've had such traumatic experiences. They've never really felt love. They've never really felt that kind of affection that isn't based on like adult sexual shit, but just like, hey, I love you because I love you. Here's a hug. They haven't felt that. But when you're on that substance, you understand that, you know, God, the universe, that love is there. It's there. It's always there for you and it always loves you. And so that's where you find hope. And when you have hope, people recover because they see a a way out. They see a way out of depression. They see a way out of trauma. They see a way out of substance. And they know that that they're loved by the universe, that their existence is is special and it means something. And that's the most, to me, that's the most exciting part about it, man, is that people will experience that love because we heal. And in my center, we heal a lot of people just off of the community we build. Forget about the therapy and the groups. Sure, those are great, but they, they feel a community. And they feel like people care about whether they succeed or fail. And guess what? They do better when people care about whether they succeed or fail. 
So that's what I'm really excited about with the psychedelics for sure. When you mention experience too, what I have found very intriguing is psychedelics that experience the individual has is so unique and different. It's like never the same Mm -hmm. for each person. When I think of how we sometimes view the word outcomes, right? Like we look at um, certain measurements for people with substance use or people with mental health that when it comes down to like a large scale view of things, like I understand that we try to see what that looks like for like a large group of people. Right. But also it seems to like respect that the experience and the outcome is that individuals. Yes. So like when two people might even try the same thing, their experience and their, their outcome of it might be different, but those differences might both be good for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It will be, each person's uh, each person's journey with psychedelics is unique to that person. To that person, their struggles. There are some similarities. You know, if you look into ayahuasca, you find that a lot of people who use ayahuasca um, are greeted by a woman, and that woman takes them on a journey. That's a pretty consistent thing that's happening. The things that are different are going to be the journey, right? The questions, the answers. They're going to be different because the way you see the world, if you reach out to the universe and ask the questions, it's going to explain it to you in the way that you understand. But the way that I understand and the way that you understand are completely different. So the beauty about it is that you 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 get a response and the response is kind of catered to you. It's tailored to you. It gives you a deeper understanding. Um, and then it, it begins, I think it, it, it begins this process of you searching for more, right? I think a lot of people leave sessions and psychedelics searching for more. And, and that's why you find people going back to using psychedelics and some of the dangers, right, of psychedelic is that it's so profound that this world seems strange compared to that. So you find people trying to go back into that zone because they felt more things. They had more understanding, right? So that's why it's important, like I said, for us to have sessions before and after and to allow people to search, but to let people know that you can search completely without psychedelics and, and reach and find answers in really amazing ways. There are people who dedicate their lives to doing those things in meditation. I think just between breathing and meditation, you can you can go to many powerful places uh, and unlock yourself. It just takes time and a little bit of mastery. I think the psychedelic is the the introduction to this. Hey, go take a journey and go see what else is out there in the world. Don't confine yourself to a small box uh, as a victim or whatever it is you're suffering. Get out and explore the world and realize how beautiful it is. Yeah. And I, and the idea with psychedelics too, with it like assists in getting to that journey and trying that. Cause I know sometimes it's really hard with people in breathing exercises and mindfulness and meditation is just like doing it and trying it. And even like just getting outside, like sometimes it's even, you know, five minutes a day, stand outside in the sun. Um, yeah. And just get some, get some fresh air, you know, get some. some yeah. But you have to go to the grocery store. You got to get to the office. Your kids need this. You got to take care of that. And you know what? You're feeling real tired right, right now. So the TV seems really like a good thing to do. Yeah. It's easier I to mean, put that off. Like, yeah. Yeah. Much even, easier. 
even small amounts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, get, it's funny, but when you look at like something as simple as like, I tell people, Hey, you know, if you exercise three days a week, you, you decrease your likelihood for disease by three. I mean, that's, that's pretty huge, right? There, there aren't that much, there, there isn't any medicine you could take that decreases your likelihood for all disease by three. If you smoke, you increase your likelihood to all disease by three to five. So imagine, and then you have people who don't move at all. And you're thinking, but this will help you live a longer, healthier life. And they don't, this, the world is bombarding you all the time. So I think first we need to take that, take you out of this world. And that's the beauty of the psychedelics, because it's going to rip, it's going to just go whoop, and you're out of there. You're out of this world, and you're in another one. And in that other world, you can stop and go, oh, let me look around. Let me explore. I had a, um, a therapist who's actually one of my therapists, and she's doing some of, the, some of the work we're trying to do for ketamine and stuff that's legal here in Los Angeles. She told me that when she did ayahuasca, she was falling down a dark shaft. And she kept creating things to hold on to. And, and she said, eventually, she just thought, well, what if I just don't hold on that fall? And she said she fell down and, and went into what felt like what was the center of the earth. And she was an earthworm. And she said to me, and this is, it's strange to explain, right? Because she says to me, Mark, you don't know how good it felt to be an earthworm. I'm thinking, wow, that's so strange. You were just a worm sliming around on the center of the earth. Yeah, how do you, her experience yeah. was profound. How do you explain that to somebody? Yeah, and that's where I, I, I like the idea too, is it's, it's really, in a way, as someone who's a counselor and, and, you know, does therapy in a way, like respecting that that is their experience and, and yeah. working with them with that experience, not trying to, get someone to an experience we think is best for them. Yeah. Right. Cause you hear that a lot in like counseling therapy, support treatment yeah. modalities where it's like, we're trying to get them to a spot that we think is best for them, which I, I think overall yeah. is no purposeful, you know, harm intent. Yeah. Like, there's good intent with like, yeah, I got someone using sure. this. I think if they don't use it, they'd be better spot. Like, I can understand yeah. that like simple logic, but life is more complicated yeah. that way. So, yeah. so for psychedelics, when I think about it, it, it really is a way to, you know, honor the person's journey and recovery. That's theirs. Like this is a really unique yeah. experience that is for them. That isn't one that we, you know, control, or we don't try to change. Yeah. Like, it's allowing no, you guide. Happen. Yeah. You guide by, by asking some questions, but they need to navigate through it themselves. And that's the beauty of it because then they come out and they're empowered. They don't say, Oh, I, I need to now five years of therapy just to be a functioning person. I depend on this other person. No, they have to navigate that journey themselves. Right. And you're just kind of there to observe and to ask questions and to help guide them in a direction to a plan that you guys came up with beforehand. Hey, where are we going to go? What are we going to explore? What are the questions we're going to ask? And, and once we find that, you'll find, I think, you know, in some early LSD studies, they had people who were able to regress back to like being a baby. They remember things that happened to them as a baby because they were able to unlock those parts because it's all there, right? It's all in our brain. 
they were able to go back and they remembered a few traumatic experiences and then remembered, which I think is the first traumatic experience, you know, childbirth, right? Being born from a, from a really comfortable, warm, very loud place to a very bright and drafty and strange world. And now we have to, you know, that's why babies cry all the time, right? <laughs> if you've ever experienced being around a newborn baby, they're always screaming half the time, sleeping and then screaming because they're confused as to what the heck just happened. So I think even then you can regress people back to really early childhood stuff. And then also I think it kind of, there's this idea that, you know, we live and then we die, right? It's very black and white. It's just, it's this and that. And when you put people in that alternate state of mind, they understand that the world is kind of more infinite than that. That that this idea of a soul, you can kind of see it and feel it when you're when you're using the the psychedelic, as opposed to the the side of you that's maybe analytical or you know you know very scientific and thinking, okay, well, no, you know what, you live and you're this, you know, you're a, you're a, an organism, and then once you die, then you die, and then that's the end of that. But what's really cool is that they can tap into this feeling of of, of the, the 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 infinite feeling of the universe, which is just kind of very awe-inspiring and powerful. And whether that's true or not true, I mean, who the hell cares? If in your lifetime, it brings you peace and love, then great. That's, that, to me, that's wonderful. I think, I think let's do more of that. I think that's better than thinking, oh, well, you know, you live, you die, and then that's the end of that. And then <laughs> and it's like, well, God, that's so, so ugly. You know what I mean? That's such an ugly way to look at the world, you know? And I find most people who look at the world that way are semi-grumpy people half the time, right? They're not looking at it more expansively. So I love that this is going to give those people too a chance to open their minds and say, okay, what's out there? Let me see. Yeah, this is this, this is a really enjoyable talk because I think part of it is all the answers aren't there, but yep. we need to... Yes be having more of these ongoing conversations, discussions about it, like where, where we want to go with it, what we think it can yeah. do to benefit and all that. Yeah. Because like I said, at the beginning, there's, there's been more talk about it, more questions asked, yep. people looking into it more. And, you know, I think people don't fully understand all those things that we even talked about today. Sure. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you were able to come on here and, and, talk to us about psychedelics and give us some of these breakdowns, you know, from everything with, you know, what people could look to expect or even ask or find out, you know, where the movement was and where it is now. And I, what I really like, you know, like a big takeaway from it is really, you know, respecting and appreciating their own experience and yeah. what, and what we can do to like guide and help them. And that outcome of, of what their experience is, is so unique to the person that I think as an individual, that all those things is going to be what they might want or what they might be attracted to. And I, I think psychedelics has an opportunity to really open the doors for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree so, with that. So if, if people want to find out more about you or, you know, connect with you and, and learn more about things, what, what can they do? Cause this is something where people are probably going to have more questions. They might want to learn more, yeah. find out something. I love that. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is I'm not really a social media person. When I got married, I kind of got rid of all my social media because I realized I was wasting so much time doing nothing. So, um, you know, I, I, I want people to reach out to me directly. You can, you can post my email, um, 
and I'll say it online. It's mark.r at tuluahealth.com. And then you can visit that website, Tulua Health, uh, T-U-L-U-A Health. It's in Santa Monica. That's our outpatient center. And we have our detox that's in Westchester, which is uh, Purposes Recovery. But if you reach out to those websites, we can help guide you um, on, on what you need and where you need to go. We have a lot of resources. And then, yeah, please, I'd love for people to reach out directly if they need help, whatever. Just go ahead and email me. I, I'm on my email all the time. It's on my phone. I respond. Uh, you guys can reach out to me if you have any questions about psychedelics, mental health, whatever it is. I mean, honestly, the, I've been in this industry for a really long time and I, I'm passionate about it. I love it. I love working with clients. I love helping people. And I've learned a lot in 10 years. So anything you guys need, go ahead and reach out to me directly and I'll help out. Yeah. And we appreciate you coming on here, sharing all this, talking about it. And I can imagine this is such a topic where people will have follow-up questions. They, they will want to learn more about it. I'm still yeah. in such a, a learning phase with it and wanting to know more about it. So yeah. it's good to know that if they reach out to you, you know, you'll, you'll answer things, provide resources. Cause that's going to be really key as we continue to embark 100%. on this journey with psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I want to thank you for having me on and I'm, I'm excited to share and I'm excited for the future. And, and the cool part is that we're going to be doing it together. Right. I, I don't think this is going to be like a, Hey, lead the way kind of thing. It's going to be a collective of people who are passionate about helping, who are going to throw all of the knowledge into one place. And over the next three to five years, I think we're really going to change and help a lot of people in the world. It'll be interesting to see where we are in that time frame. Like looking back at yeah. the conversation yeah. we have today, where it was before, and yeah. then where we'll be along this journey. Because I think you're right. It'll be yeah. where where we are, you know, where other people are, not just one person or, or one individual leading yeah. it, but this is going to be where where we are at that point so send him check out yeah. his website send him an email and he'll give you more information in the rundown on anything you have about psychedelics so mark once again i want to thank you for for joining and giving us a lot of insightful information on psychedelics uh thanks for having me appreciate you guys You've been listening to Talking Addiction and Recovery with Andrew J. Schreier. We're so glad you've joined us and invite you to connect further with the show and these topics at www.andrewjschreier.com. That's Andrew J. S. C. H. R. E. I. E. R.com. You can also email us directly at talkingaddictionandrecovery at gmail.com and connect on social media Instagram at Talking Addiction and Recovery, Facebook, Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast, and Twitter at TalkAR underscore podcast. To stay connected and never miss an episode, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, friends, let's keep talking addiction and recovery.